Hello and welcome back to the Wide World of Wargaming, Age of Sigmar podcast. As always, I am your host, Alex Gonzalez, with my fellow co-hosts, uh, Jeremy, John, and Garrett. Uh, we got a lot on our plate today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know, the, the Rodin store for Age of Sigmar for the remainder of the year. We're going to talk uh, briefly about the uh, the boys' major event that happened in New York just this past weekend, and then we'll take a look at the Idaho Wagapalooza event in Moscow, Idaho. But uh, before we get to any of that, John, what's on your workbench? Hey, how's it going, Alex? Well, I'll tell you, this week on my workbench, uh, I have just broken out the old Knob Creek Single Barrel Reserve, a little small batch age nine years and uh, i think that's what we're going to enjoy for the episode i know last time i tried this one i got in a little trouble because it was a 120 proof and a little bit stronger and i'm used to drinking so we'll see if i make it to the end of the episode other than that continuing to work on my johnny marines i actually uh magnetized all the weapons on a bunch of primaris aggressors this week and I am making my way through the latest book in the Siege of Terra, The Lost and the Damned. I'm about halfway through it. Oh my God, it's an amazing story. But none of that has to do with Age of Sigmar, but that is what's been on my workbench this week. As for Age of Sigmar, I'm kind of just coming down from my post-SoCal open high and uh, been talking to some local friends about uh, playing a little bit more often, kind of... Uh, creating a little bit of a crew out here that practices more frequently. Uh, I have a small RTT I'm running this weekend, and I'm looking forward to going out to uh, League Night tomorrow, and uh, we'll see what I bring. I am i don't know if I want to play my Skaven. I've been kind of eyeing my Nurgle army, so uh, I might play with some lists after we record tonight. So that's uh, that's about all I got going on. Uh, how about you, Garrett? What's, uh, what's going on with you, my friend? Well, I just got back from Du Bois yesterday up in Rochester, New York, run by Gary No. Um, we'll probably be talking more about that next week when we can get James on, who uh, was able to get second place with his 5-0 and record. Um, but uh, I had a, a really good time there. Um, not too bad of a drive, just about eight hours to get back home to D.C., seven to eight hours. Um, but I'm jumping right back in to building up my Sylvaneth. I'm working with my brother on some ideas on how to get some converted models. Cause I kind of just threw my army together and got it painted and I don't have any conversions and a lot of paint rubrics do like to have them conversions. And so looking to convert a branch wraith, uh, might convert another tree Lord ancient, get a bale and vortex up converted. Um, and then I'm also working on making a display board that I can transport around and fly with. Um, I'm looking to take my uh, frontline gaming tray that splits into pieces and uh, magnetize it and then flock it and kind of like create some little holes so I can have my uh, trees be magnetized to the tree to the base and then i can kind of create a little display board out of that tray and then i can just disassemble it put it in my backpack and fly around the country with it so i'm working on doing that right now um and then helping my brother paint up some beasts of chaos we're getting some zangors all going and all of his stuff going so he can get his beasts army Aww. all done gotta so, say i uh i had a conversation with logan today about that and he was shooting some lists by me and I'm not a huge fan of Beast of Chaos, so I had to like try to. I was trying my best to be like, "Well, how about you consider this or that?" And he was like, "No, I want to play <laughs> Beast of Chaos." 
And I'm like, okay, man. Like, <laughs> well, lo- lo- so Logan's coming in to Age of Sigmar after like a year and a half, two years hiatus. And I think he's going the same route I did where he wants to play a, a much weaker army than normal to re- that has a lot of deployment and movement tricks. So he can really utilize the different aspects of the game and just p- punish himself into pl- being a better player is oh, his goal. God. He knows he's going to lose, but he wants to go in trade to train himself like okay i'm gonna get my ass kicked as much as i can so that when i actually do pick up a better army i know what it's like to lose and play on an uphill battle and then so he'll perform better is kind of the plan because i kind of did that with my legion of night for a while and i ended up getting a lot better and eventually going four and one at lvo with my legion knight so um he's trying to replicate the same strategy you know, it's funny that you say that, but um, so many people that have waited a long time to get a battle tome, like, say, Skaven, uh, were really in that same position where we were playing our armies uh, on our back foot for so long that by the time the battle tome came out, you're already used to playing for, with a weaker hand. You're already used to playing on your back foot. And then all of a sudden you have a very strong army and it, it even makes the army seem stronger because you have people that are used to playing it. Uh, from a weakened position, now playing it from a strength position. So it's exactly. interesting that you made that comment. Yeah, I mean, because like, you know, the next General's Handbook could come down and plummet all the points of the Beast of Chaos, and all of a sudden it's a strong army, and Logan's already got a wholly built, painted army that can utilize all those point drops. And he's building a very strong Zinch force in his beast, using a lot of Zangor, Zangor Enlightened and stuff. So if the new Zinch battle tome drops, he's already got a fully painted army ready to go, or half of it at least that he can then start utilizing as a gore Zangor based Zinch army. So, yeah, I was trying to push him towards, uh, just trying to play, you know, um, I was, trying, I, I was trying to have him just play Zinch. And he's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's as, honestly, you know, I don't know if it would be significantly so like better day, like than just beast of chaos. You can play Slanesh. Yeah. He can still play Slanesh whenever he wants. Yeah. I, I tried to, I did try to tell him that, Exactly. Slanesh and Beast of Chaos is, is a great combo, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's going on my workbench. Uh, I'm uh, Jeremy, how about you? What are you doing? Event, you know, uh, this weekend, because the original TO had, unfortunately, an emergency commitment. So I'm TOing an event for a game I haven't played in, I don't know, God knows how many months. So if I get a rules question, it's going to be hilarious. They're going to have to live with whatever decision I make. Uh, I'm probably just going to start assuming AOS rules for them and see how it works out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't come within three inches of the enemy. How are you standing right there? No, no, um, no, oh, no. yeah. No, it's, oh, it's you're allocating on the top table? That's an illegal charge. move. You're you out of here. Rotate activations. Come on. Why aren't you rolling for turn priority? Come on, guys. Uh, um, we'll see how it goes. I'm- yeah. <laughs> you start you start giving him AOS missions and they don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> mission one, you guys battle for the past. Yeah. <laughs> no, you got to use the pieces of arcane power. Who here is a hero? The, uh, Nobody. You the all lose. That is like uh, what's the forgot of that? Totally <laughs> oh yeah, or whatever the one you have to burn objective or something. It's like score surf. Uh, oh, score uh, surf. Battle, no. Uh, better, oh my god. Uh, what is it? It's a um, better part of valor. Uh, 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 but for the most part, um, so funny. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bring my iron, fi- uh, my imperial fist, which I assembled. They're completely unprimed, and I will probably play Zinger for the event, uh, so I can get some 40k. At least, you know, you know, 
I'm not terrible at it, or at least uh, get to understand some of the rules because it's been a bloody long time. Uh, and then I'm looking forward to playing a game with Alex this week at some point. Alex, wink, wink. Uh, and uh, yeah, other than that, um, okay, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to make it down to uh, to John's event in December, uh, Winter Wars. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I uh, I don't know what I'm going to bring to it. Wow, it's definitely awesome. not my Fire Slayers. So I have no idea what I'm going to bring yet. Maybe Iron Jaws. Uh, yeah, a little bit. You're uh, you're all so. fire slayered out. Well, you know, you did loan me an army when uh, I went up ooh, uh, went I, up north. If you, you want, you could borrow one of my armies down here. Uh, oh wait, no, that's exactly like playing fire slayers. Oh, ch- changing my mind. Action, <laughs> <laughs> oh John. Uh, if the so with the winter FAQ coming out in December and your event being December, what was it, twenty first? Yeah. Um. What? How are you going to handle if like the FAQ drops like the day of Winter War? Okay, so I know why you're asking that question because in the past I have done things like ran a tournament on the day the rules for for a system drop AOS and 40k right so so I have a, a real habit of doing these things dropping uh, playing rules on the day of a fac playing rules on the day of a codex release for winter war though um, I'm gonna have to cut off the fac as long as it's one day before the tournament <laughs> we'll use it but if it's on the day of the tournament I will not fac mid tournament well, what about point changes? If they do uh, point changes in the uh, errata. It, yeah, you know, what you're saying is, well, I allow people to rewrite their list between day one and day two if it's released on a Saturday. Uh, we're going <laughs> to pass on that. Again, <laughs> tempting, fun, <laughs> but we're going to pass on All that. Right, so All right. Good. Yeah, I was like, okay. what's on your workbench, Alex? Cool. Well, Alex, what do you got on your workbench? Oh, I was about to say, why, thank you. Um, yeah, well, right now I actually do have a please, lot of my please, Bone Reapers. Um, Stop you know, I bone have reapers, played, dude. just like Those Jeremy, I, you know, there's a little bit of burnout. There you go. All right, Bone Daddies. Well, <laughs> Bony Boys. Uh, uh, bone Daddies are cool. I, I would like to call them that. I mean, um, technically, I what just, is it? Uh, I just want to like point out Ossiarch that your army has is Like Ossiarch means Bone Kings and Bone right? Daddies. In no so, one will get confused. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Bone daddies. So, so playing Spook Boys for like almost two years straight, basically. Uh, just like Jeremy with his Fire Slayers, there's a little bit of burnout. You know, Jeremy can play his Fire Slayers asleep, basically, and uh, I can play as long as I'm not asleep. I can play my Night Hunt army essentially. Um, you know, at least at least on like average competitiveness, right? Um, but. Uh, yeah, being able to play a completely different army this last weekend was fantastic. And we can dive into those details later, but um, it's just it, it, a break from the norm was just refreshing for me. But right now, I'm painting the whole fucking army. So, um, you know, I basically built the entire army in five days um, with two two models um, being built like seven hours before the tournament, like at one a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, building a uh, Gothazar Harvester, uh, which is actually a great model in person. Um, and then also um, a Soul Mason, which is way smaller than the Soul Mason that I had as an approved conversion uh, as my second Soul Mason. But uh, yeah, great models. Um, and uh, I mean, you're, you said you're painting those, Alex, but really what, what could there be to it? I mean, 
what you you prime it, you throw on some uh, skeleton horde contrast paint and and a couple pips of some other colors. Oh, I will show you. I, I mean, will show you photos. On, I I've got everything separated out pretty well. Um, you know, a lot of uh, I have a burgundy color on almost all my death units, and I have a very specific procedure on Ooh. how I get how I put the armor down on it with the burgundy color. And yes, there are contrast paints, but yes, I'm also I'm doing a lot of uh, instructions that are straight from the book, straight from the battle tome. On like how to make like the spirit blades, really? how to make like nadrite weapons, um, or nadirite rather. Um, and then I got some good tips from our good friend Frank um, on how to get some of these glowing runes put together. So I've been experimenting a little bit earlier today with those mm. on the the falchions on the dread falchions on uh, the uh, on one of the stock on each one of the stalker units. So um, so far it's been working pretty well. And, you know, my airbrush has been out of commission for like a year and I just haven't, I haven't bothered to get a new one. What? Um, and so. Oh, Badger is having their, uh, their annual they? birthday sale right now. I think it's uh 50, you know, they always have the best, this year. The, like, like almost to the point where it's like, is this a scam? Like how, this is too good of a deal kind of situation. Yeah, well, it's it's every year. It's like you know, I start so, off uh, it was whatever fifty two, and it's like each year oh, it goes one dollar more expensive. So definitely get <laughs> one in funny. the next couple of years. Uh, no, they make <laughs> right. Oh, so yeah, you know, I actually haven't used a, a badger airbrush, but um, I mean, I have t heard good things both John from you and from others. So you know, it's definitely, I am in a market for an airbrush. I just honestly haven't just taking the time to get one. I mean, I live in a town that's all about small parts manufacturing and I know for a fact that Iowata's got a facility here. So, you know, I, I could just try to see if I can go straight to their store. Just haven't made the effort to do so yet. Um, but a lot of these paints, you know, I, I am trying to learn a little bit more brushwork and, and not relying completely on airbrush. And so far it's, um, you know, I think with, with AOS, especially like an airbrush, it may not always be as needed, you know, I mean, it certainly will with some armies, especially if you're trying to get certain effects. But like, I, I don't know. That's I'm having a really good time just going brush to brush to model, you know. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Very sensual. Um. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's what's going on here on my workbench, and uh, you know, possibly to, in order to get things going for uh, your event this weekend, Jeremy, for 40k, I, I definitely have to do some some stuff there in order to get my um get my uh my nights all put together as well or at least painted or at least semi i don't know primed who cares um that being said uh you know we we do want to dive into some details here and with that as uh garrett mentioned uh we are going to wait and skip till next week to review the um you know to, to review the boys gt especially since our good friend james was unable to make it today and uh you know since he did get second place uh so congratulations james on that um we're gonna definitely want his perspective on the event and of course garrett will be able to get yours too <laughs> fair enough I mean, he did get max points. It came down to strength of schedule, I believe, to okay. determine first well, and second. Well, congratulations. So. Oh, yeah, John? Well, too bad they didn't have more granularity in their score. It wouldn't have been left to something like that. <laughs> what did you say? I'm so sorry. What yeah. Oh, oh, he's just I... bringing up again the discussion that we talk about oh, every single score? week between me and John. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, binary versus granular scoring. We should, uh, talk a little bit about. 
And as mentioned a little earlier in this episode, um, you know that we are going to talk a little bit about the Wagapalooza event, which is in Moscow, Idaho. It is run by the uh, Damamas Boys uh, crew, uh, which is a great group of war gamers in Idaho. Um, and yeah, it was run by uh, another equally great guy named Evan, um, who ran a pretty solid tournament. Um, for those who listened to our Hammer uh, GT review uh, for Jeremy and I, um, my fifth round, fourth round opponent was Evan with his gloom spike get to really gave me a run for my money. Um, yeah, so it was a pretty simple uh, packet, uh, not unlike or not d- too different from most other tournaments. But there were a few big changes, um, one of which is that there were some banned realm spells. Um, in Realm of Fire, which was around, around five, um, Stoked Rage and Inferno Blades were not allowed. And then in Round Four, which was uh, Realm of Light, um, the higher spell Banishment wasn't allowed. So would you say that Banishment was banished from the event oh my god <laughs> wow that was bad that's awesome yeah, are you are you about this to is... tell us you're gonna have a kid soon garrett jesus because that was, bad. That was, bad. That was oh, a dad yeah. joke yeah peak, peak, peak dad I, joke for sure <laughs> I, I will say though that that what you're describing is becoming more and more common though we're seeing where uh either the to is only putting in a couple spells for the event per round or where they're just taking out one or two of the problematic spells. And, and I think that's what it sounds like he did here. I haven't been seeing that over here on the East Coast. We've just been either – it's either been all or nothing kind of thing. You either play really? with all the mind sorcery or you just don't play with them at all. Interesting. So Yeah, that, that is interesting. Um, yeah, but besides that, uh, you know, they uh, did have, you know, grand uh, – they had a Grand Alliance Awards, Best Overall, Best General, etc. Um, and – you know, their other big thing was that there were no um, there were no hidden agendas. Uh, uh, Evans was just not a big fan of hidden agendas, which you know is perfectly fine. But there were no unique hidden agendas. There were no secondary scoring uh, whatsoever. It was straight uh, what you get from the mission itself. Um, uh, so you're talking major loss, major win, minor loss, that kind of stuff. That's all we get. Exactly. That's all you get. That's, that's, that's it. And that's the only thing. Um, and then points destroyed for, for tiebreakers primarily as well. Um, but, uh, you know, with that, uh, I did end up getting uh, Best General, uh, the War Boss Award, as well as Best uh, in my Grand Alliance with the Ossiarch Bone Reapers. I've been talking so much about these last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Johan, which... Um, you know, some of those, some of us might be familiar with, with his disciples of Zinch. Um, he oh, ended is that, up being best that's, overall. That's the Johan that I played at uh, LVO this year, right? Yeah, yeah. So oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, he now, he, you're up, saying he actually won best overall, but so I saw tournament. when I, huh? Yeah, he won the tournament. <laughs> so, so when I looked on on BCP, though, he got second. So what I'm thinking is that there's some kind of a a sportsmanship that was added to your battle point score, your round scores, um, and of course we know that if if there's a sportsmanship factor involved, uh, Alex is always a little challenged by that. So I, I can see where a real nice guy like Johan I mean, would, would probably lost like sports. 73 points after sports. Okay, yeah, I know it's a, a literal okay. negative. It's amazing. Hold on. Okay, I'm, I'm holding cool. on, no, Alex. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I have a best. I have a best uh, sports from from the Forge this week. Uh, this this year, I got. A, I got. A, I got a best sportsmanship. Was it a tournament a of one player? I mean, you know, my mom was the one who gave out the awards. So yeah, 
Um, it's okay. It's okay. So, Real players don't eat sportsmanship awards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Jeremy didn't oh, go to the event. He would have just gotten worse <laughs> yeah, than Alex. Probably. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> but you know, because I was bringing a new army too, I was pretty nervous about making sure that I had all my rules right, making sure that I was playing in a timely fashion. So I ended up getting myself a little, um, not the, the nice chess clock that I have as a birthday gift from, from Anthony and Vince from years ago, because that one only locks in a maximum of 25 minutes in a countdown format. But instead I was able to get one of those ones that you see at ITC events for 40k so that I could really just keep myself accountable for time to make sure they didn't breeze through everything and then oh, I purpose- that's a great idea yeah and then i purposefully bought um the cards uh, so that i can get all the special markers for all my abilities and i put all my i, I uh, i've um i've blue tacked all the, the the markings for the relevant spells onto the relevant cards and i threw them out on the table so so or i put them in, in a corner of the table so i had everything in front of me so that my opponent could see everything and then another big thing i did to keep myself completely 100 for everyone because i knew that some of my opponents would go oh great this army's a week old this is a little sketchy um i think i mentioned it in a few a few episodes ago but there's a website called aos reminders and uh, it's a completely free tool, um, and you can put in your army, your relic, your trait, um, the any sort of named characters you have, um, and what you've chosen for your non-named characters, and your army, and, and uh, you know the sub-faction and all that. And um, it will give you a full breakdown of what you need to do at the beginning of the game, what you need to do in the beginning of, of the, the start of the round. Wait, start of they the already had they already had Ossiarch in there. They already had Ossiarch there, and it was oh, like, man, the, that website is awesome. What's it yeah, called again? AOS Reminders. Yeah, I think it's literally called AOSReminders.com. So, yeah. so I ended up printing out you know multiple copies of my list, and then I, I I printed out a copy of my reminder sheet, which I think I'm just gonna like laminate and keep with me to you know the next few events I bring bone reapers to, just so that you know everyone. I just gave it to my opponent and said like, here are all the things I need to do at all the times. Um, but as I will tell you guys in a little bit, I was definitely forgetting like half the stuff that I needed to do, and sometimes it was putting me some. Positions I shouldn't have been in, um, but uh, you know I, I basically was that position you know, first place. Was that the position? You <laughs> yeah, I was about to say because you got your rules wrong. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I will, I will say, <laughs> Wait. What are you talking about I, here, I, Alex? I, I will say I, I didn't. I didn't sprint in the first place. I more like stumbled into first place. I like. Okay. okay. I like tripped into the finish line. Um. Yeah. So, and, and I'll explain that in a little bit because rules that would I, that would make I'm them super uh, intrigued. Yeah. Rules that would make the game a lot faster in terms of my destruction destructive power uh, i was like either completely forgetting or not realizing i could do until way later in the tournament um that being said uh you know for the for the missions um you know the my very first game was against the disciples of zinch player it was a relatively new player a guy named tim adams i uh, ended up being his first gt ever i believe um you know he, he unfortunately couldn't make it for the remainder of the uh, tournament but um you know it was it was a good game. Uh, a lot of things died. I was able to really see kind of the destructive power of Bone Reapers and really just kind of almost experiment a little bit on, on how how well they can they can move around the table. And the mission was Battle for the Pass. Um, but really, things started to build momentum and build steam into round two when I played a local uh, mama's boy, uh, Giovanni, who. Um, <laughs> 
That's the team name. Um, <laughs> and uh, he brought a grand wog with a uh, bunch of heroes, a bunch of art boys. Uh, he brought a mock crusher that was totally kitted out. Um, he had two war chantas, a war priest or a prophet, a war prophet. And then he had the, um, he had the, uh, the bone, um, the bone splitter uh, shaman. Uh, I forgot their name right now. I don't know why. The war doc or the war prophet or the weird knob. Or the shaman, uh, the, the weird yeah. knob shaman, yeah, yeah, a great model, by the way. Um, and yeah, the the mission he, he had a list that you know could do some damage, and his uh, his maw crusher, you know, did a 3d6 inch charge, jumped over my entire line, and just completely nuked my general in, in one round of combat. So that was he played very finesse like with that army, and it was great. Oh, that's um, nasty. That's also showing why it's important to have those abilities that can shut down that fly keyword. Oof. Yeah, there aren't a lot of them anymore. I mean, besides what, like the priest from Ivanath, right? Or, you know, the Warp Lightning yeah. Vortex. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Keep on forgetting. Keep on I know what John was referring to. <laughs> mm, yes, very true. Um, but, you know, uh, the Realmscape uh, ended up screwing him over a little bit. Uh, the Realmscape feature was uh, ignore rent. Ignore all rent. Um, mm. Yeah, which was not... Not fun for him. I mean, he was having really good saves, and there was a lot of terrain on the table. But, um, uh, you know, it just helped me out a little bit more. So, you know, we both had a lot of killiness, a lot of punchiness. But um, in the end, I ended up uh, getting that win as well. Um, yeah. I have a question for that game in particular. So he's, you say that he jumped over and killed your general. Um, I know that in other death armies, your general is very critical because he's the one who can revive – armies or units and stuff what is the general and the osiarchs do in particular that made him such a primary target for the maw crusher and who was your general oh great question i realize i haven't said a single thing about my list um <laughs> yeah so um i was bringing a cast heavy army um i do eventually want to run catacross but you know being the fact that uh catacross came out the same day as the tournament seemed unlikely that i was going to build a gorgeous model like that properly in the amount of time given so um, I ended up playing a cast heavy army, um, without Nagash. It was, uh, my general was a soul Mason. Um, I brought two soul Masons, which are the guys who are basically totally not slon mage priests. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I had two of those because they're level two casters for the same price as one guardian of souls. Um, and they have a fun little ability where it, when you, uh, you know, you're a level two caster, so you can cast whatever spells, just like any other level two caster. But at the end of the hero phase, um, even if you've already cast their signature spell, each one on a two up or on a two through five at the end of the hero phase can attempt to cast this spell again. And if you roll a six, they can cast it D three times. And it's a wholly within, uh, pick a unit wholly within 24 inches. It's casting value six. If it goes off, you roll ones to hit. Now I will tell you guys, I think I only remembered um, in one hero phase to roll to see if I could do this ability because because we'd be like, we'd be like at the start of the charge phase and I'd look down and I'd look at my opponent because I would tell them, Oh, by the way, these guys, I I would always tell them what I what those guys could do with this ability. Um, And then I'd look at my opponent in, in say the charge phase and be like, I forgot to, uh, I forgot to see if I could roll those extra spells. And they're like, yeah, you did. <laughs> so, so I almost consistently was constantly forgetting to see if I could get 
the added benefit of reroll ones to hit for all of my abilities. Um, so, or I mean, for, for, for almost all my units, which is pretty frustrating. Yeah, again, only one hero phase. I remembered that. Um, that's but, interesting. That's kind of like that Slanesh spell where you can basically cast the one spell again and again. Yeah, yeah and then it's it does the same thing too. You pick well, it's the opposite. You pick an enemy unit, and your whole army rerolls ones to hit against that unit. So oh, it's like, oh, it's the opposite. Yeah, the Slanesh one does the opposite of picking an enemy versus picking an allied unit. So that's interesting <laughs> that they did that. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, and, and so, you know, I have two of them, um, my general as a soul mason with, uh, and just like the newer, uh, armies, um, you, if you choose a certain legion, a court, whatever, um, you're shoehorned into that command ability, uh, or general ability trait and, uh, that relic, unless you have, you know, a battalion or something like that. Um, and so I chose Petrifex. So my entire army was plus one armor save. Um, the entire, or the, the Petrifex, uh, command ability for a discipline point is um a bludgeon which is uh before one of your my units attacks in the combat phase for one discipline point i can make that army or that make that unit uh one rend or one additional rend to their melee weapons um which is very fun um but also another thing i constantly forgot i could do um and then uh the uh general had uh the uh Archeo, I think it's like Archeo Mason uh, uh, trait, which is basically add two wounds to your general. So it was an eight wound soul Mason. And then um, my other soul Mason had the God bone armor, which was uh, just ignore the first wound taken every phase. Um, so those were my uh, special abilities for those two heroes. I then brought Ark in the black um, because he's allowed in a bone reaper army as is Nagash. And then I brought um, one Bone Shaper, um, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, I brought uh, a unit of 20 Mortec Guard with swords, two units of 10 with swords. Um, I then brought two units of three Stalkers. Those are those guys with the, the Oni Mask style heads, but I've converted, oh, my, yeah. Yeah, I've converted my own heads instead because I'm not a big fan of that. Um, each one having one guy with the uh, Dread Falchions in, that, in the unit, the, the big unwieldy looking swords. And then uh, after that, I brought the screaming, uh, or I brought a Gothazar Harvester uh, with bludgeons, with the mortal wound bludgeons. And then I brought, uh, of course, the terrain piece and uh, two endless spells. I brought the Soul Scream Bridge and the Bone Tithe Shrieker for that added plus one to hit. Um, so, how was the uh, terrain piece dealt with? Oh, so the terrain piece, that's a great question. I had talked to the TO ahead of time, and uh, he at first told me, hey, I am going to just help. I'm going to come over to each one of your tables and help out with terrain. Turns out he didn't have to do that because their terrain was relatively sparse, um, which means a, unfortunately I wasn't able to get that many cover saves, uh, in the game, oh, look but, at um, that. also look at I was that. able a guy to complaining about not down. getting another plus uh, one saving enough, the he gets one for his allegiance. The update. Hey, <laughs> I've played yeah, an army never who, who has never been able to so get cover saves. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, either way. Um, so um, it's a very unique thing because most you know, armies choose or put their, their terrain piece after your sides have been chosen. Um, technically, you're supposed to put down your bone tithe nexus before terrain is even set up. So, right. so, so the, only, the only rules are it can't be within three inches of an objective and it can't be within six inches of a board edge. Um, so you can 
push it up right next to a piece of terrain, but I was just playing safe depending on how other TOs might want it. So, um, well, uh, technically you can't because it's yeah. supposed to be set up before terrain. And then when you set up terrain, terrain can't be within six inches of another terrain feature. Okay. But yeah. this isn't a terrain feature though. It is a terrain feature. Is it terrain? It is a piece of terrain. Okay. Well, I was playing. I was playing so that I could only put the terrain or my bone tithe nexus. Um, I, I made sure that I was always outside of three inches of, yeah, of the terrain. Know, I just, just I just want to point out, like, I'm keeping, it keep, to keeping a score on the side. Um, That's right. We talked before the podcast. So there's your number one. So what what he's gonna correct me on this in a sec. Um great. Well either way, um I made sure that I was outside of three inches of uh terrain pieces and then of course you know, outside of three from a objective or a board edge. Um but the interesting thing is you put it down before you choose sides. So unlike you know the Slanesh relic, I mean the Slanesh terrain piece or um or or uh, ma ma holes or na holes where you know you choose the sides you know where your deployment is and then you put the na holes down right mm, I don't get that uh, that that um you know that luxury so for the most part if I could put it in the middle I was always putting it in the middle um but you know most pieces most ter- uh, tables had terrain in the middle of the table so that wasn't always going to work out very hot um but. Yeah, uh, it, it was interesting to see, you know, where I should put it because you had to be smart about where you were going to put it because you didn't know where you were going to end up deploying. Um, but uh, that, w- that was my list. Um, going into round three, um, I played my first Helvetican, uh, Spokane, uh, uh, you know, some of the great Spokane players. Um, and it was uh, Stephen Heitch. And he brought uh, uh, not a destruction army like we hinted at earlier, but instead he actually brought a Hedonite uh, list. And he brought a hold, hold on, Alex. Yeah. Before before you continue, answer. Could you answer my original question? Why did he want to kill your general? Oh, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't. Oh, know. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Oh. Just yeah, because I don't know what a general in Bosiarks does. That's important. Like um, other death armies. Some generals can do a lot of crazy stuff. Um, that was just a level two caster who. There's no special ability from the, or really, um, and we can talk about this when we talk a little bit about the army. There isn't a lot of abilities that are all that relevant that are require your general specifically to be alive. Um, there's actually the exact opposite of that. It's a lot of spread out the the love and the leadership among a lot of different units. Um, whether it's the squad leader in a unit or certain units that aren't heroes, or of course heroes. So you didn't really need too much of have your general on the board kind of situations, or at least not in this list. Um, so, you know, I think it was more of a, Hey, I want to kill your general. <laughs> okay. J- uh, j- just, just checking. Cause I was intrigued by sending an entire mock crusher 3d6 charging over your lines to kill a soul Mason. Well, it's to, like, seems like an right? odd tactic to, to be fair. Um, it was also in a big weak spot of my army. So, okay. If he would have gotten the double turn, it would have been dangerous for me. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Steven's list, uh, was one that my night haunt would have been terrified of. It was a triple keeper list. Um, it was a triple keepers, a secret, um, the mask, uh, contorted, uh, epitome, um, two units of five chaos warriors. So basically objective holders. And then a 30 man, a 30 girl unit of demonettes with the Supreme Cyberites Battalion. And, uh, you know, the Supreme Cyberites Battalion, you can get an extra command point if you roll under the number of heroes from that battalion that are in the army. You know, of course, he's got five heroes from that uh, 
uh, that are all in the same battalion. So it's basically one drop, all my all your heroes. And as long as he doesn't roll a six, he's or as long as he doesn't roll a five or a six, he's getting an extra command point each turn uh, until he starts losing, uh, you know, his heroes. But um, this is where. Uh, I finally got to experiment a lot with certain aspects of the Bone Reaper army. And, um, you know, we ended up playing uh, Total Commitment. And uh, turn one, he had one keeper in combat with me. Turn two, he had two keepers in combat on the same unit, and that was the Mortec Guard. Um, the Mortec Guard were carefully placed around the Gothazar Harvester. And because of the Gothazar Harvester's regrow ability, I was able to handle uh both keepers at once um and eventually killed both of them through attrition um it was a while so you had one character killed them both no one unit one unit of 20 um 20 mortec guard was, oh, okay. was able to uh, handle them over the course of six combats um eventually i killed all three keepers and he brought two more back onto the table as slanesh liked to do um but, uh, yeah, he, he did get a good double turn against me, ended up um, killing a unit of stalkers and doing some extra damage here. But um, it ended up becoming a game where there was no way that he was going to be able to catch up by round four um, in, in terms of points. Okay. Um, oh, so you just focused on objectives while he was working about his bloodlust. Well, out, right? he, he was he was working the bloodlust out hard, and then um, you know, I, I one of the discipline abilities is uh, you can pick a unit within distance of a hero or a hecatos keyword, and you can make him plus three move. So all of a sudden, Arkin, I was just like, Arkin, we're gonna make him. He's gonna make himself plus three move, and so he's now moving nineteen inches, and he charges Ooh. some chaos warriors to grab an objective. Um, that was pretty helpful uh, for me. Um, and, and then from there it was like, you know, it, it was difficult to move the Mortec guard, but, um, after he killed the, the harvester, which, um, you know, he did with a really great charge move, um, they started to get whittled down a lot more. Um, but at that point, um, the demonettes were already gone. I had already killed three keepers. Um, he had basically heroes left in terms of objective scoring, um, su primarily summoned heroes, um, so I was able to really see the attrition game that I could put on, but, uh, at the same time, uh, it was still a great game. Um, it, it really came down to vital moves on turn four. Um, and I can tell you right now, uh, my night hunt army could not have handled that army in the same way whatsoever. Um, so it was a learning experience. Interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, it's interesting to see how the big scary daddy that is Slanesh gets kind of smacked around by a simple little unit of Mortec guard and a harvester. Should I? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it can be wild. Um, but yeah, so tell me Alex, you know, at, you're at the end of, end of day one. Now you've round three rounds, you got three wins. You're, you're looking pretty good. Um, but you know, we've heard a little bit about your army. Um, you know, don't know a lot about it. Uh, we'll talk more about it, of course. But but at this point, you had mentioned that your army was caster heavy. But but what's really doing the work in your army? What's what's outputting all the damage? I mean, are you just blowing people away with spells, or is that mostly buffs and moves in the casting phase? Are you is it just you know hardcore melee? Are you doing tricksy stuff? Like what what am I worried about in your army? What's doing the work? Great question. Uh, it's actually a little bit of everything. I mean, the Harvester doesn't necessarily want to be in combat because it, it, it helps the Mortec regrow. Um, for those who don't know, uh, if a enemy or if any model 
is killed. And this is something Games Workshop has specifically specified on numerous occasions in their preview articles, but they always mention friendly and enemy. Um, but it just says in the actual rules, when a model is slain within three inches of the harvester, um, with of course the heavy specification of any model, um, uh, depending on how many wounds it had when uh, it's starting wounds had um, you can start either healing models um, within three inches of the harvester, or you can start regrowing uh, units that are near the harvester. And so, you know, as the harvesters may be uh, close to the front line with the more tech, um, you can start regrowing more tech that have just gotten nuked by a, har uh, by a keeper or, you know, make sure that the ones that need to stay alive who are uh, protecting the harvester are still well protected, you know, are still keeping that bubble wrap open. Um, you know, so, so is that how the army is working is like basically through extreme survivability, you're, you're able to, to just do work, but nothing is, is really killy or, uh, well, I mean, I'm killy, uh, you know, these, the, uh, with the, the Mortec Guard, you know, they're one-inch range on 25 mil bases. They have two attacks each with exploding sixes at an additional attack. Um, you can bring, bring that down to a five-up uh, for explode attacks. Um, they hit on a three. They wound on a four. Um, I can make them reroll ones to hit. I can make them hitting on, hit on a two-up with the Bone Tide Shrieker. Uh, bone Tide Shrieker makes enemy units minus one bravery, makes all Bone Reaper units a friendly Bone Reaper units plus one to hit. Um, um, you can't, there's a, only one artifact in the game that you can't run if you run a legion, basically, um, unless you want to bring a battalion and, and add a second relic. There's really nothing that helps improve the wound rolls, but there's a lot of things that improve the hit rolls. Um, so, so what about the, uh, the, the pseudo, uh, command point mechanic? What was that called again? Uh, discipline points, um, discipline points. Did you seem to have plenty of them? Were you, were you hurting? Were you burning through them? Did you have an excess and what do I do with them? Uh, How did that work? Yeah. Well, you know, only in one game, uh, my fifth or my fourth game, uh, was I really starting to become strapped with discipline points. Otherwise, uh, for the most part, I was not using all of them, which is a huge problem. Um, because I was forgetting, uh, some of the ones that I could use. Um, now for our listeners out there, um, we can, we can dive into these details, um, for, for discipline points in just a sec. Um, but, uh, I, I wasn't using all of them each turn and it was primarily because I was honestly forgetting that I could use them. Um, discipline points are generated the start of each battle round. And, uh, on average, I was getting probably about five, five or six a turn or a battle round and they're use it or lose it. So, you uh, get one point for each hero that you have at the start of, that are that's still alive in the start of the battle round. Um, you can then roll a. Uh, you can then get plus one if anything has the liege keyword, which nothing in my army had liege keyword. Uh, for each for each hero, uh, they basically count as two. Um, if Catacross is on the table again, something I didn't bring, uh, he's an additional three points. So actually, because he's Leech keyword and he's a hero, you actually start the game. Or as long as he's in your army and he's still alive, you get a you get five discipline points at the start of each battle round just from him alone. But in my army, uh, basically, my discipline points were one for each hero, and then one uh, you roll a dice for every unit you have on the table, and on a six you get an additional discipline point. Um, so I was really only starting the game with maybe five, maybe sometimes six. Um, and then there's a spell I had on my Bone Shaper called Arcane Command, which allows D3 additional uh, arcane, uh, uh, or I mean the discipline points to be generated in the, uh, for, for my army. So um, 
I had, I, I would always have maybe about, again, say six, sometimes seven or eight discipline points. Um, but because you can't use them like command points, in fact, the army can't use any command points whatsoever. None, none from the rule book, not, uh, command, the commanding, uh, uh, terrain piece from table two means nothing to them fighting against oh. uh, fighting against armies or units that prevent you from gaining command points they don't give a shit about that either um, they don't get command points and anything that's called a command ability utilizes the discipline point system even if it's a hero that uh, like Ark in the black or nagash you just use a discipline point instead um, and your discipline points don't carry over again so um, you use them for that entire battle round for turn one, turn two, turn three, and you're done. I'm just trying to follow your stories, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so discipline points are very unique. There's a lot of other unique portions of the army, like uh, ignoring battle shock, um, and then uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but but to answer your question over the uh, the course of the tournament, because I'm only I'm only allowed to have about five or six command abilities. Some of which weren't always relevant, like um, first of the Mortarks from from Arkin, which adds six inches to the range of spells for casters within eighteen. Um, that was one of them. One of them is Shield Wall, which is or Lock Shields for Mortech Guard, which is reroll failed saves for that guard unit for one discipline point in the combat phase only. So in the shoot, so a lot of my opponents once they realized that, like my round four opponent, I'm going to tell you about in a sec. Um, they were like, "Oh, that's only in the mo- uh, combat phase, right?" And I'm like, "Yep." And they're like, "Great, I'm going to shoot the shit out of you." Uh-huh. Um, so, um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how they work against uh, cities. Um, and then uh, the stalkers have hunt and kill, which is um, reroll runs and charge moves. In addition to that, um, they can move over terrain as though they have the flight keyword. Um, and then uh, there's the Petrifex Legion uh, plus one rend command ability or discipline point ability I mentioned before. And then. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, well, that's it. Besides the the generic Bone Reaper one, which is uh, in the start of the movement phase, um, units near a Hecatos or a hero keyword um, can, for a discipline point, uh, add three inches to their move, which is helpful when things like Mortec Guard only move four inches. Um, wow, it sounds but, like you actually add a, add a lot of points and a few things to spend them on. So I'm picturing, you know, probably four or five things per turn that you were using those on. Yeah, you would say that. You would say that. But again, almost always forgot bludgeon. Almost uh, always forgot oh, the ones that were helpful. Right. Which is relevant because my round four opponent was a Seraphon player. And uh, it was Nicholas, the individual who ended up getting third place. Um, we ended up playing Duality of Death. Um, and, you know, with Seraphon, uh, he, uh, in, in the game, he uh, brought Ripperdactyls. He had a Star Strike uh, Star Host, um, a unit of two Razor Dons, a unit of three. He brought uh, min units of skinks, a double engine of the gods, uh, star master, and astrolith player, and a skink star priest. So he had a bunch of rerolls. He had a bunch of casting. Um, he had the Bailwind Vortex um, and the cogs. So he was always slowing down the cogs with his Slon Mage Priest to generate more and, and not getting the additional cast in, in order to generate more points. Yeah. I think he wasn't using his points till round four which at that point the game was over um which i'll explain in a sec did but he, did he um, put him up on a bail win too he put him up on the bail win but i will say uh by the end of the game he had 48 uh um summoning points basically um and that doesn't count the summoning that came from the engines of the gods uh, and so again double engine of the gods is hilarious <laughs> um yeah it's becoming so, the standard with those lists i think yeah i agree um 
so with this one, he beat me on drops and, uh, I was incredibly nervous for him to go first because I knew if he went first, he would do Lords of Space and Time. He would jump on objectives. He would try to summon in bubble wrap. And, uh, or at least I was thinking that that's what he would want to do. And then just try to tell me, Hey, come at me, bro. Here's the big kicker. You guys, um, he had heard a lot about how Bone Reapers work on the internet, specifically mini wargaming. Mm. And he was told something about the Bone Reaper army that wasn't true. And oh. that based that based his decision on who was going to go first or second. He was under the assumption that Bone Reapers could never run. Could never what? use a run move. Because oh. mini because mini wargaming told him he they couldn't. The, the the banners on the banners on uh, Mortec Guard add plus one to charge and to run. And again, the Stalker's Hunt and Kill Discipline ability has reroll charges or reroll and reroll running. I could see where so, the mistake is though, because they could never use the auto run six command ability. Yes, that's true. But I could see mm-hmm. where someone could misinterpret and be like, "Oh, well, then they can't run." It's like, no, they can. They just so can't saw- auto six it. Exactly. So he saw the way I deployed and went, "You know what?" I want you to go first with the sole intention of going cool. Even if his Mortec guard moved three extra inches, they're not jumping on the objective. And uh, that was an incorrect move. And very quickly he realized that. Um, But that doesn't mean that he was out of the woods. Um, He ended up basically killing one entire flank of mine down to just a bone shaper and uh, like four or five Mortec guard. And, um, his Ripper Dactyls came down uh, on my weaker flank and did a lot of damage. Turns out when you bring the Ripper Dactyls down and you bring the Toad down, I uh, you can move the Toad. Um, and I told him, I don't think you can move the Toad. And he looked at me and he said, uh, I got to tell you right now, uh, most Seraphon players don't know half their rules. And I was like, oh, you know what? You know what? You're actually right about that. So I, I will just let you do that uh, because I'm not even going to question it because you, you said that with such confidence. And I was like, yeah, you know what? He definitely is right on that. So... <laughs> Um, and yeah, he was 100% right. He's a great guy, super good play, uh, player, really fun guy. Um, what happened in that game is I took one flank. He took, I took, I took both objectives in duality turn one, turn two, he killed the unit I had that was holding one of uh, my uh, objectives. He took my weaker flank and started dominating the um, table or that side of the table. Um, and then I was able to mortal wound his controlling skink unit that was on the objective and then um, in my turn, I retreated um, I retreated a unit of Mortec Guard that was in combat with Rupert Dactyls. And even though he had like a Razor Dawn and two engines of the or, – or, or, no, he didn't have an engine of the gods uh, within three. He had like two Razor Dawns uh, within three inches of that uh, objective that was out in the open basically. It wasn't being held by a hero or a battle line keyword. So I retreated onto that objective. And um, no matter what, if he kept that objective and I kept mine, I would be winning by a point. But once I cut off his subsequent scoring from that objective he had um, he had taken from me turn one, um, he had to start all over again on scoring objectives on that side. So that basically was that. But um, again, great player, uh, Seraphon. He, he basically was able to bring 4,000 points at the end of the day. And I killed nothing. I killed just a unit of skinks. <laughs> so how did the OCRs... Uh, do against shooting like you mentioned that people realize oh wait they don't get their ridiculous rerolls against shooting so how how did that ultimately deal is he actually able to start doing a lot of damage to you or like how how was that how did you feel against that um yeah uh with uh 
the with the shooting, it ended up hurting a lot more, um, especially when you started to add rend to the um, to the shooting. Um, that's why I'm really thinking that they're going to suffer two very heavy shooty armies, um, or, or they can possibly. It really depends on target priority and a bunch of other factors there. Um, but uh, really, it was actually more mortal wounds hurt a lot more than the shooting. So you know, really, the engines of the gods. I think for two turns in a row, because you got a double turn on me once. Um, they were rolling basically the six through nine ability on the engine of the gods, which is just D six mortal wounds. And so uh, within uh, to enemy unit within 25 inches. So he just started like in a span of a double turn, he did 46 mortal wounds to like oh. two, two units and uh, just in the hero phase alone. And, you know, he wasn't rolling bad on him. He wasn't rolling one. So <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that that's the secret sauce against uh, Bone Reapers as well. Lots of mortal wounds. So we're back to AOS 1.0, 2 plus save Stormcast, where you just mortal wound them off the board. Uh, kind no, of. I don't. I don't. I don't. Dis- I don't agree with that like statement at all for Bone Reapers. But okay, uh, there. It's the only. It's the only army in the game that gets like a massive infantry block with a five up shrug and a six up shrug against mortal wounds. Like, I don't know. What you're- you can also give them a five up against that's mortal wounds too. That's, That's what, what he said. Said. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's it's basically like playing against a fire slayer block, ex- mathematically speaking, basically. So like I, the only difference is fire slayers don't get to reroll saves, and then we'll start up with a three plus save. So I'm not sure. Like I agree if that safe. <laughs> okay, just you know, just to make sure I put that out there. Uh, yeah, but uh, going into round five, there was something that really that came up, and it was funny because it came up, and I talked to the TO. And the ATO said, and, and Evan said, yeah, you know, I heard you on the podcast talk about that. And I was like, yeah, he's not getting that rule right. And uh, yet again, this is another rule that um, I was using against myself. Now, Jeremy, if you can if you can go back down memory lane, remember when I used to rant a lot about Realm of Fire? Yeah. Remember, remember when I used to ra- rant about the Realmscape for Realm of Fire that I was always hurting yeah. myself on? Guess what? Yeah, what about it? Every time, every time you and I played at a tournament, that was a totally different realmscape. I was just being a dumb shit and and, and playing a completely different realmscape against you. Um, turns out, uh, every step a league has nothing to do with fly keyword, and I I'm sure you know everyone else here is going to say, "Well, no shit, Alex." Yeah, um, like every time you talked about it on the podcast, I was really confused. Oh, and you just decided never not to say a single thing to me? So yeah, basically. Not me, so he corrects me I when I make the most no, minor no. mistake, but he's going to let you fly completely. <laughs> we, we, we know how it is. Oh, of course, of course. So basically, uh, at least three GTs in the summertime, I was losing my mind about the fact that they were always playing every step of league, and I was always using uh, the, the negative effects of every step of league for mortal wounds uh, against my night hunt, which uh, – Every step of league, uh, if you have fly keyword, you completely ignore that realm fitscape feature. So uh, I was playing it as though it was burning skies, which affects fly yeah. keyword. Um, so yeah, great. Just wanted to let you know that um, I was uh, always hooting and hollering and getting mad about that realmscape feature for zero reason whatsoever because I was too dumb so to double check. The not rules every GT is so. going to change it to burning skies, and you can. <laughs> every GT is now going to. Yeah, yeah, right, right when I switch away from an army that's got right, a fly right. keyword. That's um, common, right? And now I got to play it the other way now. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, we, I play uh, round five for all the marbles. There's only two undefeated players. It's me and it is um, 
it, it is another Heed Knight player. It's specifically uh, Dane Lind. And uh, he did not bring Trip Keeper. He brought Double Keeper. Um, but he's got two Seeker Chariots and 30 D minutes for a battle line. He's got Supreme Cyberites as well with an Infernal Entraptorist and a Contorted Epitome with the Double Seekers. Um, he's got the God Seekers host, and uh, he's got a Gift Feather Charm on one of his keepers because uh, he's Realm of Gur. Uh, and he brought uh, a big unit of Seekers as well. Um, so, so he had... Uh, a lot of kind of fun stuff in, the, in this list and we were playing realm of fire um, and we were playing uh, um, uh, scorched earth. Okay. So uh, this is where things got really fun um, with this game. Not only did he hand me his army list and they also handed me a condom. And I think it says something like slanesh protects or whatever. <laughs> um, so a great little giveaway um, with a condom there, but uh, it's uh Scorched Earth was a real interesting one because I, I, de- I defended myself and played pretty aggressively. But um, as Jeremy knows, um, I don't always like to hold back when I'm supposed to hold back. So I didn't. Not at all. Um, and he deployed all on one flank. So I went, sweet. He's um, he's now giving me an entire objective on one side of the table that I can exploit. And uh, he gets up to me. He does a turn one charge uh, against my block of 20 Mortec and a Harvester with one Keeper. Um, and then I use the soul screen bridge on the other side of the table to bring, um, the uh, three stalkers over near an objective to try to hold the objective. Um, and I totally forgot that you can't burn an objective on turn one. So now I had my dick in the wind and, uh, thankfully I got, I, I was bottom of round and I got a double turn. So if that didn't happen, uh, things would have been bad for me. Um, but here's the funny thing. And, and, Jeremy's going to love this one. Um, after the, I got the double turn, I, I knew I was already holding that objective. So I just moved over. I started, um, um, I, I charged my uh, stalkers into a unit of seekers that were in the middle of the table. Um, and in my hero phase, I um, used the, uh, the, um, the judgment of lethargy, the punishment of lethargy from the terrain piece. And I made sure that that unit that runs, that can run in charge and can run 2d6 inches cannot run at all and can only charge d6 inches. Um, and so I was able to, to nerf their movement, then charge in with my um, uh, a three-man unit of stalkers, give them the precision aspect, which at which you, you choose one of four aspects in the start of each combat phase. And it lasts for that combat phase so all of a sudden they were near uh, my endless spell too. So they were plus one to hit against negative one to hit. So it was a it was a it was a push on on plus ones minus ones, and uh, my uh, all my attacks were plus one rend plus one damage. So I brought a fifteen man unit seekers down to a two man unit just by three models, and and that really hurt them. So really stalkers are also a fun little secret sauce in the list because they're relatively fragile compared to the rest of the army. But if played properly, they can. They can hit like a little brick shit house, and if you lose the unit, you're you're not exactly like losing a huge chunk of your army either. Um, so they're a great uh, distraction card effects. Um, but here's the thing: uh, in the hero phase, uh, Nagash and Arkin, they both know every spell from Bone Reapers, and I had cast uh, Protection and Nagash on my uh, on Arkin the Black. Uh, Protection and Nagash gives you the it affects the caster only. It gives the caster a five up. Uh, shrug against any wounds or mortal wounds. If any wounds come through after that attack sequence is ended or after that damage sequence is ended, 
Um, you can choose to teleport that model um, that's just gotten this, uh, the wounds or the attacks carried through anywhere on the table outside of nine inches from any models, and that ability is immediately dispelled after you move the model. So John, Jeremy, basically, I moved my uh, uh, Ark in the Black up, uh, who has he's the only unit in my army that has fly keyword. I then ended up rolling a six for Burning Skies, so he took D3 mortal wounds. He ended up taking uh, to, to both of those mortal wounds and then teleporting to the other side of the table onto one of his objectives in the far corner and burning it. <laughs> So, so uh, I want to I, I tell you guys, I want to tell you. Oh, I, man, I, that is awesome. <laughs> because I thought he was going to give me turn one and I thought he was going to try to double turn me. I deployed Arkin like in a corner pocket of my deployment zone. So all of a sudden he just goes from one side of the table to the exact opposite side of the table <laughs> immediately. Oh, that is great! I, I wish I wish you could have taken a picture of uh, of your opponent's face when you did that. I bet mean, it was like, oh, whoops, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: he played incredibly well. Um, in the end, we both burned each other, all four of each other's objectives. Problem was, I was already holding a lot for several turns. So in the end of the uh, in the end of the mission, um, uh, round five, he burned all of my objectives. And I had already burned all of his objectives as well in turn four, but it at best it would have been twenty-one to thirteen in scorched oh. earth. So I would have solidly won, but we definitely played it out to see what would happen. Um, he ended up bringing both keepers on my line, and uh, I had misplaced the three-inch uh, the go- where the models were coming back near the Gothazar harvester. So slowly, I was having less and less models be within three inches of the harvester. And eventually, uh, both keepers and, and 30 demonettes, it took them three or four turns, which was a problem for him. But uh, he was able to kill the Harvester, kill 20 uh, 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 Mortec Guard. Um, he ended up killing a hero that was nearby them as well. Uh, burned two of my objectives with the quickness. Um, he, he did lose the, the demonettes. Um, and really, that was it. Um, he ended up summoning a bunch of units against me too, which was very helpful. I had a few, uh, you know, even with the uh, that army, dice rolls are dice rolls. So I had uh, some relatively poor dice rolls that didn't go my way. Um, and he played very well with, you know, moving a keeper up and then uh, summoning demonettes on a, a corner pocket objective that I didn't have anyone on. Um, so he he played very well, but um, it was unfortunately it was just a little too little too late. Um, but, yeah, but but ultimately it, it was I mean he has a lot of killing power in his army but it, it wasn't enough right you you just grabbed the objectives and that was that right yeah all in all I will say I do th- I do believe he knights have substantially more killy power uh, in terms of unit spread um, but when it comes to the kind of like killiness plus resilience factor um, mm. they, they don't compare uh, really. Right. Yeah. They, they definitely are a glass hammer, whereas you definitely have a nice resilience factor. So maybe not quite as killy, but you feel that your resilience offset their killiness. It seems that way you, you beat two Slanesh players after all. Yeah. I would say that that, that plays a pretty big role. Um, you know, and, and again, that lucky double turn for me uh, was something that was huge, <laughs> um, but he ended yeah. up killing. I'm sorry. I was, I was just going to say like, it seems like without that double turn, you would have been in a really bad position from what I'm hearing. Really? Um, I, I just would have lost a unit of stalkers. That w- that was it. And he would, okay. have, re- and he re- and he would have retaken an objective. Um, I, I think you did miss an opportunity there, Alex, you know, right before you, um, 
you moved Arkin across the table, you should have grabbed the condom and, and started to open up and say, I think I'm going to need to use this for what I'm about to do to you next. <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been great. I will say, you guys, um, the spells were great. Uh, Drain Vitality is the perfect anti-terrorgeist and anti-keeper um, uh, spell. Now, now what um, does that do? You pick an enemy unit, um, and that unit uh, has to reroll all unmodified hit rolls of six that they make, um, and then they also have to reroll yep. all unmodified it's, save rolls of six uh, that they make. It's a, it's a um, phenomenal. That's a great, that's a great one. <laughs> What's up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, one, that one's great. And then um, uh, another spell that ended up working perfect against Heat Knight player um, uh, was. Uh, Mortal Contract. I ended up doing Mortal Contract to both Keepers of Secrets. Uh, Mortal Contract is casting value 7. You pick an enemy unit within distance of the hero um, that's casting it. And uh, it's something that lasts the entire game. And you can only mark one... Uh, a unit can't have uh, multiple incorrect. Um, uh, Mortal Contracts is, on it. No, so, it's, it, can only, uh, it can only be affected once per hero it phase. It specifically says. So you can ag- uh, actually keep casting it each hero phase in the same unit. Yes. It is the most. Are it is you serious? One of the most I would have OP definitely done that if I knew I could right do now. that. I'm gonna pull my my iPad is not near me right now, but I'm gonna pull that up the moment I have the ability to do so. So John and Garrett, um, Mortal Contract. If it goes off, uh, it lasts the entire game. Um, and whoa. Every time that unit that has a Mortal Contract on it uh, does any damage to my army. Uh, at the end of each phase that it caused damage, uh, you roll a dice, on, yeah. or I and roll a dice. The addition on a is three up, you cannot pick the same unit to be affected by the spell more than what? once per hero phase. Oh, uh, I know. So right. it's silly because you yeah. can't cast a spell more than once a hero phase. No, so it's, that's it's, probably going to get a, that's probably going to get eroded. That doesn't seem intended. Intentionally, they probably meant for battle. Okay. Oh my gosh. No, no. So, so, so yeah. Long story short, that's another rule that would have been great for me because then I would have just made one keeper of secrets have like four mortal contracts on it. Uh, it's just go like, oh, you killed the unit of Mortar Guard. Take forty three mortal wounds. <laughs> oh man, that is fantastic. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for that early Christmas gift. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, it was a great game. Uh, uh, with with uh, Bone Reapers, they have a lot of abilities, which I think are going to get FAQ'd. Um, as much as I want to say they will, I mean, we've seen how other FAQs have been where we're all being like, oh, that thing's going to get nerfed, and then it just doesn't get nerfed. Um, but I do think that um, I, I don't believe that their movement is an issue, as I initially thought it was going to be, because of the plus three move and being able to run. And uh, the Soul Screen Bridge was actually great for me. Even in rounds that I didn't use it, I was able to, I was able to use it to block enemy enemy movement. Uh, and just be like, here's 270 mil ovals, and they're now in your army's way. And you don't have fly keyword. Like, there you go. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed this list. It's caster heavy, and um, I know that uh, I know that Jeremy's got where, his own. Where did, it, where did it fall? Where did it fall short for you? I mean, you won the tournament, right? And as I'm fond of saying, you don't you don't learn by winning, so you probably didn't learn shit. But honestly, where even though you won, what was your weakness? What fell short? And importantly, what big change do you think you need to make to this list? 
Well, I, I actually really, really like this list. I think it's got units that people aren't going to see in the more competitive lists that you that other people might start churning out. I actually really, really, really enjoy using the stalkers. Um, stalkers, they they don't have a huge footprint. They're just three 50 mil circles. Um, they have a lot of variability and adaptability uh, in in the unit itself. Um, I I really, really enjoy using them, and I'm probably going to continue to uh, at least for a little while. Um, I have a separate list with Catacross in it, and with the fact that he's got a heavy price tag of 500 points, you definitely have to kind of build a list around him, at least a little bit, um, and, and um, that one's going to be a lot more, say, more tech heavy, more tech guard heavy. Um, the big curiosity factor I have here is what's going to happen to the Harvester, because um, again, Games, Workshop and, uh, Games Workshop's intention has always been to have the harvester be able to bring models back or heal based on both yeah. your dead units yeah. and your opponent's dead units within three inches of the harvester. They have uh, under no uncertain terms made that happen. However, the verbiage of the harvester's regrow can get a little funky. And this, and, and again, it's, it's not something where it's completely going to make a unit impervious to harm. I mean, when double seekers or double keepers hit my lion hard, um, you got, after a unit is slain, um, before, you know, it's removed from the table or, or, you know, you, you basically roll a dice and on a four up, uh, I could bring say one more tart guard back, uh, that had just died. Yeah, but you, um, and after a while I just one, stopped rolling four ups. Uh, I was rolling yeah. ones, twos and threes. And I was like, fuck. Like, yeah, the, the problem is it isn't, it's not in the one harvester. It's the one, one harvester. That, it's double, triple harvester. That becomes like ridiculous. It's the double harvester. The, so the problem is it's not that you can generate models back. It's that you roll for each harvester so if like one of your more tech guard dies in range of multiple harvester you roll for each harvester so if you get you know on a three harvester roll you should get on average one and a half models back aka two models so you basically end up getting a net gain of one model uh, and then the model you lost and also this the way the harvesters are worded it's instantaneous it's literally after model dies so you let's say you could wipe out the unit john they yes. would come back 50% larger. Yes, you can. That's why it's stupid. Uh, well, you can't go above the unit size. Mm, okay, well, I always play the rules more conservatively just to double no, check. No, uh, Jeremy, you, you can return, return a number of slain models to that unit. So you only can heal slain mod. So you can return slain models to the units. So the models have to have been slain. So you can't add to it. You can't return. If there was no slain models in the unit. There's no models to return it's, to the unit. So you can't I increase the unit above the starting unit sign because it has no slain models There's already a GT that had to have a house fact that says you cannot do that. Because people are arguing that like it's you, you return that slain model for each harvester. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know about that. And no. then there's, and then also, I, th I think an easy solution, an easier rata to this, is just make it that if a you can't return a model to a unit, that like if you if one more tech guard dies, that unit that it died from can't be revived. So it's like you have well, to do it from other units. I think it's an easy solution to that problem. Yeah, I mean, but I would argue also that I mean the word return itself, right? If you're not returning models from the unit that are dead where is it returning from yeah exactly yeah now i will also say there's um 
there's another one that we've had a discussion with our good friend Joe about too. No, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't work. About Don't worry about the that harvester one. dying. Joe was on crack. He within forgot to look three at the inches wound, of its wound limit, it only affects models or a certain wound count, and the harvester has way too many models for it to trigger. It doesn't work on that himself. Don't worry about it. So though, so the if if it is you know yeah. if you do play yeah. conservative, it's only it it's only D six wounds. So. Models, my problem is still the timing of how it works because it's instantaneous. So like you, c- right? Yeah. So as soon as one model dies, you roll four up, and he just comes right back. Yeah, that's what I was telling my opponent. I was like, hey, for fast dice, like, I'm just going to roll for it. I'm going to point at the yeah. models that are dying, and then if I don't roll the four yeah, up, you I'm going to remove that model. Yeah, you basically get an additional four up save. Is what Hello? it gave you with one harvester. It's an additional four up save. You know but what, I, I, I mean, an easy, an, easy, so an easy fix to this would just to be you can't return a – like the harvester can't return a uh, model to a unit that just dies. Just you can't like – as like soon chalice. as a model dies, like, you can't then like return the to that same so unit. That, like just – At the end of the phase, like you just basically – and maybe increase oh, at the, the end, range at the end say, of like, the phase. units within six instead of three. Yeah. Uh, models within six instead of three, like the ch- – you know, ch- and just make it work like the chalice. Like the fact that this happens instantaneously causes way too much like slowdown of play. And because technically you have to roll it immediately on the first uh, wound, um, so that that's 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 my fact issue. Right? It's just the timing. The uh, also also by the way, uh, mortal contract needs yeah. to be fact, not because of the yeah. double stacking mechanic, but the way it's worded. It's not on wounds taken in friendly bone stock unit. It's on damage inflicted, which by the way isn't a thing. Like the only step, damage. the only step it explains damage is on step. I mean, maybe that's what they meant, but it's it's unfortunate that like they worded so stupidly. Um, is on basically the breakdown of uh, attacking and the making an attack step one two three four. It says four determine damage. So technically, if they what they meant to say is instead of saying damage, it should have said any time a unit successfully makes a wound roll against your unit, or is it or is it after the save roll? I, I, after the save roll? No, or uh, well, it, it's if really you alloc- any any out wounds are allocated from this, take, you know, about like wound, so it, it wound allocation is the step you're looking for. Damage. So it has to be past the save, but before the wound is removed. That's why. Why make it so convoluted? Yeah, so basically anytime your attacks right. cause them to fail a save roll, whether they die or not, it doesn't it does, matter. It's, it's whether they like, fail a save roll so if you do like, any of that. I mean, I guess that makes not sense. Not just say when a wound is taken. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I just, I'm just you know, saying that they should be good at rules by, writing by uh, now. Uh, this <laughs> book's lack of English, but whatever. I, mean, I, I was enjoying it. I just, I just have to remember the stuff I can do <laughs> instead of just what's on the war scroll. <laughs> I think Jeremy's point is that it seems to be uh, – I mean, Alex didn't take advantage of this, but there are a lot of gamey mechanics based off of poor, yeah. not as well-written – uh rules as they could have been and so there's a lot of misunderstandings of what would be intended versus what is actually written and so it's unfortunate which, uh, that the book causes a lot of gamey mechanics that allows which really worries some, me certain players to definitely create a negative play experience the lead, uh, play testers in england who basically play tested this Osaka quorn reaper 
fully invested in the army and and basically on, on his Twitter account. And then and then like as soon as he got to play test Slaves of Darkness, he he basically switched over to Slaves of Darkness. Like he's like fully invested in Slaves of Darkness low. So I'm like really worried about the gaminess. I'm really worried about the gaminess of the next. Oh, so you're like, Jim uh-oh, Joshua here we go. Getting worse at writing rules for the sake of writing books faster. Because this year has been insane for books. Like, I think we got like more than one book per month, right? Yeah. Holy Sla- crap. Slaves to Darkness uh, will so be the 12th book I'm this just, year. I'm a little worried. Can I, can I just, you know, since I'm on my podium preaching, you know, uh, I want to talk about... Uh, why I think Bone Reapers is a great book, but also badly worded and also, I mean, great in the sense of flavor and unit profile, but then they, they made this terrible mistake of making Nagash and Archon get the keyword Osark Bone Reapers, which is a super fundamentally big problem in that book. Because honestly, I don't know why you bother taking anything else in Osark Bone Reaper if it doesn't start with Nagash and Archon. Uh, because if you didn't, if you did not know... Nagash and Archon got changed this <laughs> in this book, and uh, they got changed into an insane uh, power level. Uh, yes, Nagash went up in points by like twenty points or something, and then Archon, Archon's, yeah, but and Archon they went up. Oh, no, now uh, Nagash, Nagash thirty Archon, miss, uh, Arcane Bolt. They can cast. It used to be they can only cast it once per phase. Now they can cast it as many times as they have casting spells. And there's no penalty for it. So, like, it's not like in 40K where, like, every time you cast Arcane Bolt, it gets harder to cast. Uh, no, they just literally can cast it, like, with both of them together, if you want to, 11 times. Uh, also, the, since Nagash gets plus three to cast, the odds are that you're going to get a D3 Mortal Wound Bolt is almost, what, 50% of the time? Well, it was like, no, more than that. It's because uh, rolling, rolling a seven is the most common, like, value. Um, oh, and then totally, yeah. And Arkin and Arkin's got a plus two and to cast. I so absolutely use that to the, to the as much as that I means can. They also I, I did get that the a lot. <laughs> keyword, and they also get uh, all the spells from the Osark Point Reaper uh, because that's how Arkin and the Gash work now. They be- they get the entirety of the spell lore from that book on top of their on top of any realm spells or their base spells. So you're basically looking around at like a list that has. Nagash and Arkan, which can heal themselves, mm-hmm. by the way, six wounds a turn if they're within range of each other. So no matter what you do to Ar- Nagash, who's floating around in a Petrifex Legion, which has a two-up save and a reroll one save, because that's Nagash's like, command abilities, reroll ones for saves and hits for an ignore battle shock for all uh, death unit on the ta- friendly death units on the table. You got a Nagash just walking around with a two-up save rerolling ones who can cast 11 Arcane Bolts a turn. I, I just... So I have, a, I have a simple solution for this one in terms of that keyword situation. Now, uh, I'm surprised that I'm actually startled that they didn't do this. But for John and for Garrett and for our it's listeners who haven't popped yeah. open. It's got a raging the, boner. Uh, it's got a raging boner, boner in that book, fucking yeah. book. Um, certain <laughs> bone reachers. <laughs> Sponsored by Hey, man, you can't have a good bone daddy list without that. Um, uh, you uh, all, all, all the named characters, Catacros, the named Clavos, and a book, the the guy from the box set, um, they all have a, a, one of the the five legions keywords, the the Praetorian uh, um, 
uh, Bone Reaper Legion. So it would be um, in the book, you find out that the Null Myriad, which is um, the black um, armored or the black uh, bone skinned um, uh, Bone Reaper Legion is one that was gifted in a gash to Arkin. And it's like they're made up out of like gravesand instead of like bones, basically. And or they're, they're made up of the, the skeletons that brought the bone sand during the Malign Sorcery campaign. Um, and so he's been gifted this legion. Why don't you just, if, if he's in the army, if, and this is the army he was given, just give him the null myriad keyword. So you could bring him in a Petrifex legion. He still knows all the bone reaper uh, spells as he should, but he has the null myriad keyword. So he's not going to have plus one save or not being able to be plus one rent. You know, to me, that sounds pretty reasonable. And then with, uh, with Nagash, um, also either having to rule saying that he can't be in a legion or giving him uh, like the keyword instead of, you know, Supreme Leader of the Bone, uh, no. bone Reapers Nagash, or something like that to be might be more effective in order to avoid uh, giving him, say, a tool save. Go, uh, Nagash is the only ally option for any dev army and he should never benefit from it. He should have his, he should have his own sh- six-up shrug uh, on top of his regular shrug and like a dev shrug, but, but, uh, but he should have never been... You should never be part of a fucking Bone Reaper army. It is, at, if, yeah, because like it's it, even if you take him outside of the Legion. Yeah, the Gotrek treatment would have been good. Being in the Bone Reaper army is insane. <clears throat> like healing six, three wounds himself every turn. Why? Like why? <laughs> It's just, it, it, I mean, I, God I forbid you take a couple of bone shapers and archon to heal like nine a turn. Um, and you know, and, and the sad thing is, I'm talking about this like, well, I mean, oh, this is a problem, and it will be a problem in the meta because investment on that army is like super cheap. It's like less than four hundred bucks. Um, oh, I'm still gonna buy it if games are, but I'm so do you not do you not want me back to sell you in I hope so. <laughs> uh, the other thing is. Let's talk about, you know, the, the thing where I'm not talking about is how <laughs> incredibly cheap Catafros is for the hell, the thing he brings on the table. Catafros is a 500-point, 20-wound model walking around with a oh, it's insane. bloody 3-plus save. Uh, and, by the way, technically a 2-plus save because when he uses his blood, uh, or is it 4-plus to up to a 3-plus? Either way. What the fuck? And uh, it, it's just... No, it's a three like, plus go to a two. Are you kidding me? Like a mock. The mock rusher is four hundred sixty points. For God's sake, like he's a thirty-six like, inch bubble of plus workshop, one attack. You need to figure your shit out when it comes to like pricing behemoths because this is getting out of out of hand. So I can. Only... Well, I mean, sorry, I meant like basically big mom. He's, uh, he's also he's also and, not a behemoth. And, yeah, he's not a wizard. Large he's things. Just, He's just a hero. What what is he considered? Is he an engine? Is he just a, a infantry? Yeah. He's a hero. Oh, does does well, he not have the monster keyword? He has more than nope. nine more. So he gets lookout, sir. But it but he gets no, covered. He That's insane. He no, he doesn't. On a cover. He's a twenty he's <laughs> yeah. a twenty wound model. He gets covered. He fucking yeah. I don't, why would I don't think there's a wound sir? limit on lookout, sir. Yep, it's ten. Yeah, it's just no, because uh, screaming bells get lookout sir. There's the limit on cover, but I don't think there's a limit uh, on lookout sir. I'm almost certain it's look the same as 40k. It's you must no, it's not. It's not. It is not. 
of a unit that has three or more models. The look at certain rule does not apply if the target here is a monster. And since he's not a monster, he gets look at first. Oh my god. He gets lookout, sir. Like, he's oh, a twenty wound two up save model that is gets a lookout, sir. Oh, so I love this so much. Is an indicator for <laughs> for five hundred points, there's a thirty six inch bubble of plus one to hit. Be the, the tits in the new, next Slave of Darkness book because apparently Games Workshop can't figure out. Or they decided to just write Hero Hammer instead of writing good rules now. So, hey, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to December release. Uh, it's just uh, what the hell. What the hell? It just it's it, it, for, let me hammer <laughs> it again for some people who don't understand. Yeah, that's the right Having words. A, a what two the casters hell? who can move fast and basically dish out twenty four inch uh, arcane bolts uh, that do d three mortal wounds on average uh, means that like if you have any support characters in the game that you depend on, they're dead. They're just dead. Like they don't do anything. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I remember, I remember in the old edition it, with my Skaven Scryer list when I was averaging fifty mortal wounds a turn. Right, all the characters were dead, all the monsters were dead, <laughs> and then if you beat me, it was Except because you had good like, big, big hordes of troops, of troops that could still do stuff. Forty man block, and I'm seeing that same thing happen. Like uh, Mortec cards because they're rend neg two and they have exploding fives. Of course. <clears throat> That's what I said. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and they're red neck too, if you remember. Like, I just, <laughs> God damn it. Like, and and, and, and the one person in the audience was like, well, Jeremy, you can't, if I hide my heroes, you can't see them. Well, it turns out you can in a No Sark Bone Reapers by buying their 20 point and the spell. You can summon them the gash, put anywhere on the table. And as long as that thing has line of sight to that uh, model that is out of line of sight from the, the Salt Link caster, aka Nagash, he can cast at it. Oh, boohoo! Plus three. Hey, hey! Now, no, now yeah. you remember. Remember, if you're soul linked, you're minus one to cast. Oh, that's really gonna hurt him. No, he's then he's what plus three, three then? No, nope, plus two. Plus two. Plus two. Oh, okay. So, so then it becomes like, as good as Arkin. I, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. I, I just like the gas shouldn't be in a bone yeah. army. Period. Like you should just not benefit from any like bone reaper mechanics. That's why they did it this way. I'm not sure. Sure. That the current he's fluff the that anytime the gash is a problem, he creates a and it new does fit uh, with the fluff, of, the current legion. fluff. Yeah, but the problem is he never leads his own legion. Like the whole like sacrament, blood, and night, and so forth. Like, yeah, you can include him in there, but he doesn't actually like he doesn't like you know get an additional massive benefit from it. I just I I'm just disappointed in that in in that rule. And like, it just honestly feels feels like the, the the rules writer either did two things, didn't think about that one through very well, or B, there's some massive addition like rule changes net coming next year for Age of Sigmar that basically changes this like drastically. Like one of the things I can imagine is Arcane Bolt will now be get the 40k treatment. Uh and all wizards will be able to cast Arcane Bolt as many times as they want. Or at least all the super wizards will be able to. Uh, and they'll just get the minus one to cast every time you get an incremental cast. And I'm assuming they're also going to change command abilities because if this if the discipline point the discipline mechanic seems to indicate that they're they're realizing that maybe they need to reevaluate how command abilities seems to work for the game. So um 
I think it, the one thing. I think the one thing that's gonna be. I mean, I don't know. I, I can see that being a one-off thing like, only in this book. Bone Reapers with Cataphros can Come generate in. so many uh, discipline points in an army. It's just ungodly amount. Um, but we'll see, like. Uh, on the flip side, though, Jeremy, I mean, I look at things like summoning, where every arm there's lots of armies with summoning, but yeah, no two summoning I, no, I mechanics. Agree. I'm are just the saying, same. like, I'm, I'm so GW like is pretty willing to put unique, unique mechanics out there for an army. How much they can generate a turn? Um, hmm. Okay. So what you're saying is that you think you picture other future armies yeah, maybe not having the same mechanic but some sort of similar let's replace command points with this other idea it's just like you generate x amount per battle round uh, effectively but we'll yeah <clears throat> we, we definitely saw with the books this year an increase in the ability to generate command points you know, with each successive book having kind of more and more abilities yep. leading yeah, up to I, this I, book that so has, I, been let's replace for, know, the like command what, point, uh, point system completely uh, with some new thing. But... Oh, I mean, I want to play this week. It's I, okay. I, I, so, I, so, so what you're saying is you don't want to play this week to play with or this week. Workshop gets his head up its ass, but it's all, it's all right. I still love them. I'm still going to, I'll still deal with their pain. Uh, I'm a glutton for punishment and uh, I look forward to uh, uh, finding ways to, you know, beat that. I'm just really terrified for the Slaves of Darkness book to be just like over the top. I I think it is fair to say, though, Jeremy, that um, instead of our third segment where we would actually maybe review some of the <laughs> units from the Ossiarch Bone Reapers, uh, maybe your rant was was just that that was our our little review. Uh, I will I will have to put a disclaimer out though uh, the. Uh... I'm a, not all I'm the a, hosts of the Wide World War Gaming <laughs> share the same view as Jeremy Vessier. <laughs> Jeremy uh, Vessier's opinions do not I'm reflect not that of the Wide of World of War so. Gaming I, podcast. <laughs> oh, shut up. See, I told you guys. I fucking told you. See? Even he recognizes it. You, you didn't hear the discussion the other day, Jeremy, I, where I, I mentioned am, that you were our most favorite guest host, and I got uh, lambasted that you were, in fact, but a standard host. Until, the, until that point, I will use my uh, liberties as uh, befits my position. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you. Can you do it? Can you remember to cast it once per turn? Oh, well, I'll send that, I'll send that uh, mortal contract post haste. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, straight up, straight up. That is amazing. We'll, uh, we'll just re up your contract. Like we'll just redo the mortal contract at the beginning of every episode from now until ever, until it gets FAQ'd. <laughs> until it gets FAQ'd the way we were playing it, right? Uh, well, I think that that might wrap up everything here. To Fuck you, Night, folks. Winter Wars, December twenty first. <laughs> Night. Winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all the time. You don't win once in a while, and you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit.